Hey there, educational rock stars. Are you feeling overwhelmed with lesson planning for your English language learners? Well, I've got some exciting news for you. Introducing our upcoming free webinar, Simplify Your Approach, Three Time-Saving Routines for ELL Success. Join me for a power-packed 45 minutes that's set to revolutionize your teaching strategy. In this webinar, we'll dive into three practical, easy-to-implement routines that will not only enhance your ELL teaching methods, but also save you hours of planning time. Yes, hours. So whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, these insights are tailored to help everyone make the most of their teaching time. Plus, you'll leave this webinar ready to implement these routines the next day. So mark your calendars for our two upcoming dates. I don't want you to miss this opportunity to transform your ELL lesson planning. To reserve your spot, simply sign up at www.equippingells.com slash routines. Trust me, your future self will thank you for it. I'll see you at the webinar. Teaching ELL students is a privilege and a joy. Is it easy? No way. But with the right support, you can feel empowered to tackle each day with ease and confidence. I'm your host, Beth Boucher, founder of Inspiring Young Learners. With over 10 years of teaching both nationally and internationally, I know what it takes to ensure that your ELL students have what they need to thrive today, tomorrow, and for life. I'm on a mission to empower you to equip your English language learners. Welcome to Equipping ELLs. Let's get to today's episode. You are listening to episode 21 of the Equipping ELLs podcast. Hey there, welcome back to another episode of Equipping ELLs. Most likely at this time of year, you are spending your efforts and energy strengthening the two most difficult domains for ELLs, reading and writing. The problem I see with how we are supporting our ELLs in reading and writing is that most of the materials out there are created for native English speakers, not ELLs. And there is a big difference in how the ELL brain learns to read compared to native speakers. In today's episode, I'm going to share some of those mistakes that we are making while teaching reading and writing to our English language learners and what we can do to support our students better. All right, now let's get to the show. Now, in today's episode, we're going to be walking through phonics, comprehension, and writing. And that's what I want to cover with you today because I am currently homeschooling my kindergartner daughter and having the joy and privilege of teaching her to read, which is one of my favorite things to be able to do is to teach a student to read. And so as I'm teaching my native English speaking daughter how to read, I'm just reflecting on so much and reading so much about how it's so different for a second language student to learn to do those same skills. And I really want to hit on some points today where on how we can help our ELLs with that same process of learning to read and write, because the reality is our brains actually aren't made to read and write. This is a skill that we're working on, that we're, we're changing the format of our brain so that they are able to do those things. But we're asking a lot of our students when we're asking them to read and to write. And 
Also, English is really tricky. There's so many different rules and so many exceptions that it's really hard for our students, whether they're native speakers or not. Those who struggle to catch on to that, it's a lot of work for them to build those skills to be successful readers and writers. So I have really been spending this whole last year diving into the research of reading. I love the new things that are coming out about how the brain reads. And sadly, there's still a lot lacking in the area of how a second language learner learns to read because it's very different. So let's start by focusing in on phonics. I am doing a whole variety of activities with my daughter when it comes to phonics, because in all honesty, she isn't one that has gotten it quickly. I would say she's more on the struggling reader side. And thankfully, she's made great progress and she's doing well now. But at first, it was a real struggle. She wasn't someone that just was really interested in learning to read. She didn't really have interest in knowing her letters and sounds. I know some kids are like that. My other daughter is like that, who's four. She's very interested in learning the sounds and letters and wants to always be doing activities that my older daughter is not that way. And so she's in the category that I say it's, it's more of a struggle for her as she looks at the, the sounds and tries to make sense of the words and sits and focuses on reading each day. And so that's what happens to a lot of our ELLs as well as they're working on all of these things that are bombarding them each day. And it's exhausting for them when they're working on phonics skills. And so I think we can eliminate some of those things and just be mindful of the types of activities we're giving them as we look at how to teach them better. And so, for example, if you go and find some resources to do some phonics skills, you know, we're going to start with those simple CVC words. And there's a lot of great resources out there. I've used a lot myself, and there, there's nothing wrong with those resources. But the reality is most of those resources are made for native speaking students. And why does that make a difference? Because when I sit down with my daughter and we do a short O activity, and maybe she has to read the word and then locate the picture, that's a gate, an engaging and fun activity. But she has six years of language already built up in her brain. She already has a strong vocabulary word bank. And so when she's doing that activity and she sees the word hog, and sounds out, she can locate a picture of a hog. Our second language learners, what are we asking them to do? One, we're asking them to sound out these random words without anything in context. When we give them a list of CVC words, okay, sound these out, find the picture. One, that's exhausting for them to be sounding out these words that they don't have an idea what we're talking about. Two, bombarding them with a whole list of words without context is also just doing standalone drills that doesn't help our second language learners. Third, if they don't know what that vocabulary word is, it's really kind of a pointless activity because now they can't locate the picture because they don't know what a hog is. And a lot of times with phonics, we find really obscure words to use so that it fits the rule. You know, we're fitting the rule of the CVC of short O, but the words aren't words that especially our ELLs are going to have in their vocabulary word bank or are really going to need in life. You know, like yak. How often do you use the word yak? I'm not saying that they don't need to know that ever, but it's just adding on that additional level 
of frustration, of exhaustion, because they're trying to sound out these obscure words and find a picture of a yak, or the pictures are very hard to understand of what is this? Is this zip? Is this man? Is this, there's so many different ways that you can try to, you know, use these pictures that don't really fit the word. My whole point is this, look at the phonics activities that you are working on. And if it's an onslaught of random words and pictures to cover a certain phonics skill, that's probably really exhausting for your students. Doing things out of context is just bombarding our students with random sounds, hoping it sticks. And the reality is for our struggling readers and for students who don't have a foundation in English, English is really tricky. And so just bombarding them with more and more of those sounds and phonics skills and doing it more often isn't always the answer that they need. So what should you be doing? I, as I've looked at research, as I read more about research and how the brain learns, there is a piece that I don't think gets really emphasized that is absolutely crucial for all of our students, especially for our ELL students. And that is to spend your time on in your initial instruction and introduction of sounds, focusing on students hearing and identifying the sounds. So that listening comprehension piece, and if you've listened to previous episodes, you know how how much I emphasize listening comprehension. But I believe in that. That, especially with sounds and phonics, our ELL students need to have ample opportunities to hear the sounds and identify the sounds before they go on to begin blending, to begin doing anything else. Using the sounds in context as much as possible, they need time spent there. So even doing activities like sound bingo. There's a lot of great websites, a lot of great games that they do things like that, where they're just not even focusing on the name of the letter, but just the sound. And they're doing it over and over. They're training their ear and their brain to be able to segment that sound, to identify it. And that will help them be able to begin to work on phonics more intentionally and more successfully. So I think this is a main point because I have talked to a lot of you, a lot of those who are in my membership equipping ELLs and hearing from you the frustration that many of you are now turning into reading specialists, even though that's not your job, but that's what your school is pushing because they all of a sudden with this pendulum swings and now we're on to going back to phonics. And I do believe the importance of direct instruction of of phonics but sometimes we're over phonicsing kids. I don't even think that's a word, but I'm saying that because just one, one situation, one story, I have a wonderful teacher in my membership who the students are getting phonics in the homeroom classroom. They're getting phonics with a reading specialist. And the principal has told her that as the ELL teacher, she also needs to do phonics. So these students are getting phonics three times a day. Now let's think about that. Is that necessary and appropriate for our students? No, doing three hours of phonics a day is not going to help them to read better. It's actually going to probably tire them out, exhaust them, and just be frustrating. And so that's why I really am encouraging you to check out, look at your phonics program and see where are the frustrational points for your English language learners? Where are the areas that 
the pictures really don't make any sense? Where are the areas that you're just throwing words at them to try to have them follow this format, but it really is confusing and not done in context? How can you take the words you're using and use that in context? How can you add in games to make it engaging to use multiple ways of learning to work on those skills. I'm not going to go in depth on this, but something that I have seen really help my daughter excel, and I think this would really help ELLs as well, is to look at orthographic mapping. Orthographic mapping is where they are listening, they're segmenting, they're seeing how many sounds, and they are graphing it. They're doing that skill themselves, and that is helping her with spelling. It's helping her remember sight words. There's so much that has, I've seen it just excel her with reading through the one skill of orthographic mapping. And that's really hitting on the point I said of spending time on that initial sounds and segmenting those sounds so that they can individually hear each of the sounds that's going to help propel them forward. I'll do another, when we get back into the school year, I'm going to do more on reading and ELL. So we'll go more in depth on orthographic mapping then, but Google it, check it out. There are so many great resources out there right now that will help you break down what orthographic mapping is. And I really believe that that is a huge area to spend your time with if you're working on phonics with your ELLs. Hey teachers, I'm interrupting this episode to ask you a quick question. How different would your life be if you could confidently plan effective and engaging lessons for your ELL students in a fraction of the time? I created my membership equipping ELLs to do just that. When you join, you gain instant access to the exact resources you need, proven and prepped for you, plus a supportive private community of like-minded educators. Join us today at www.equippingells.com. Now back to the episode. So let's move on to comprehension because some of you are working with students who are level threes and fours and they're picking up their phonics. They're, they're doing well in that, but their comprehension is really struggling. And so what can we do for that? And this is one point to go back to that phonics when I, when I shared about that teacher who is doing the students are getting three phonics lessons a day. The problem is we're leaving out the comprehension piece, even in first grade. And we need to start building those skills early on. It's not just, oh, they're going to learn all decoding first and all phonics, and then we'll get to comprehension third, fourth grade. That's too late. We need to begin comprehension immediately. This is why read alouds are so important. This is why spending time having the students discuss a text is so important. And so don't just think that this is a skill that's for older students. Start this even alongside when they're reading in phonics. And this is why doing phonics in context is important as well. Let's talk about that comprehension piece. What I see is that comprehension is not developing and not strengthening because we're not spending enough time building background and rereading the same text multiple times. When we do that with our English language learners, those are skills that help propel them forward in their comprehension and understanding of a text. So we first need to make sure that with every single text we're reading, we're taking time to do two things, build background 
and to really see what background those students have, see what connections they can make to that text. Because if you ever tried to read something that you have no connection to, you have no background knowledge that the vocabulary is foreign to you, you really have a hard time even understanding the gist because it just, you have no connection to it. Even as a fluent reader, it's really hard to comprehend something like that. And that's what's happening to our students. And so when we One, are thoughtful in the passages we're choosing when we're thoughtful about using diverse reads and bringing in reads that help them connect to things that they know, that they're aware of, that they have connection to, that they're interested in. That's actually the first thing we need to do is really analyze what kind of reading are we doing? Do our students have any connection to this? And they're not always going to have a connection. So if they don't, then you're going to have to spend some more time building those connections, building that background, going more in depth, talking about it before you even get it into the reading part, front loading the vocabulary. That will then help unlock that comprehension piece once they get into the reading. I also believe in having them listen to the passage read fluently a couple times before they start to read it themselves. That gives them that picture in their mind. It gives them that understanding of where it's going. It helps them to identify the problem and solution when they're able to listen to it read fluently. If you just give it to them and they, you haven't done any of that work to begin with, and then they might, if they're a struggling reader or still on the decoding stage, they're going to really miss the meaning of the passage. And then you're not working on comprehension, you're working on decoding. So keeping in mind, asking yourself, what's the purpose of this lesson? Is the purpose of this to be working on decoding? Okay, if it is, then that's going to be my focus. If it's comprehension, then how do I remove that that barrier for the struggling readers and so that they can unlock the comprehension, even if this text is too difficult for them to read or they're, they're just not able to read it that fluently yet where they can understand it well. So that's why adding in that listening piece, having them listen to it fluently first, either you reading it aloud or adding in a QR code of them being able to read it is so important. And then the other thing is to just use that same text. Don't feel that you need to move on. You can use that same text for multiple days, especially if you find that they're interested in it. If your students are enjoying a text, go deeper on it. Find a, find a text that, you know, you can use that goes along with it. Find a, a fiction text. If you're working on nonfiction, find a nonfiction text vice versa. Go deeper in that topic. If you're seeing that your students are really interested, don't move ahead. Let them really spend the time, keep pulling things out, reread it, and see how much further and deeper their comprehension will go when you spend time on on the same text, rereading it multiple times. So what to do instead? I, this is why I really believe in close reading passages for all of our students, but even more importantly for our ELL students, because it already has that framework set up for them to know I'm going to be reading the same passage at least three times. And when they know that, then they're happy to do it. If they have that framework, okay, I know on day one, we are going to build background. We're going to, we're going to front load the vocabulary, and then we're going to read the passage. I know on day two, I'm going to, or maybe on the first day, they just listen to the passage. I know on day two, I'm going to read the passage with a partner and we're going to answer some questions about this and go a little deeper. I know on day three, 
I'm going to read that passage all by myself, and I'm going to have to apply what I've learned, my comprehension strategies in some way. When they have that framework set up, they are going to produce great quality content. But if every time it's, they don't know what's expected of them, and then it's kind of thrown at them like, oh yeah, let's read it again. Oh, let's read it again. They're going to get frustrated with that. So that's why I love closed reading because it helps already have a framework set up. They then know what they're expected to do each of the days, and it helps them to reread that passage multiple times. Let's move into our last area, and this is on writing. And writing, I know if you are a teacher of ELLs, and actually most students, I I have found that most times when I said, okay, we're going to write about this, most of the students would groan and not really enjoy that process. Because writing is hard. Writing is a different part that we're forming in our brain in order to take what's in our head and write it out. There's so many different skills that are involved when we're asking our students to write. And then you add in that second language piece. And so when you have students who are still translating, that adds that barrier when they're trying to write out on paper. When you have students that are still working on phonics, that adds in a barrier. When you have students who are working on grammar, that adds in a barrier. So there's a lot that is really kind of hindrances to our ELL's writing. But that doesn't mean we shouldn't have them write and it shouldn't, and we should not wait till they're at a certain proficiency level. I think writing begins right away. And that's when we get them familiar with how to write. And most importantly, getting back to the foundations. And this is what I want to share is something I'm seeing, especially with those ELLs who are older, who are coming in as, you know, in fifth, sixth, seventh grade, all of a sudden they're expected to be writing paragraphs or writing essays on a certain topic. And we have to reflect and think, have we done a good job at giving them the foundations of writing? Or are we just expecting them to be, because they're in this grade level, they should be expected to write a paragraph? Well, I want to challenge you. I don't think we've done a good job. We see that reading is very systematic. There's an approach that you follow. You build on the skills. The same is with writing, but we're not really following that systematic approach. An excellent book that I've read is called The Writing Revolution. If you're looking for a way to boost your students' writing, I 100% recommend go get that book and read it this summer because, and I'm going to do an episode soon of five different of my favorite PD books. It's on that. It's going to be on that episode, but it had so many practical ways to help develop our students as writers. And the biggest thing, my biggest takeaway is the importance of spending time on foundations, spending time on writing a good sentence. Reflect for a second. Think, have you with your students really spent that much time on talking about a good sentence, talking about a variety of sentences that they can use, really dissecting a sentence, observing how sentences are written, how this sentence is different from this sentence. One sentence and staying there for a long time until they have the confidence that they have the foundation that they can write a solid, good sentence. Because what I see is that we aren't spending that time 
on the foundations. And then we say, okay, write a paragraph about this. And what do we get? It's pretty much the same sentence over and over. No variety, no periods. And we become frustrated and they become frustrated. And so that's why going back to a sentence and spending the time on dissecting that, on doing a variety of activities that help them write one quality sentence is so necessary. And what I said earlier, writing is so frustrational for our students who are ELLs because we're asking them to do so much. And so when we just say, hey, let's write a sentence about this, especially when you can connect it to content. So those things, you know, going back, the closed reading passages, at the end of that, have them respond with one sentence about what they read. Okay, you've already spent a lot of time building background. They know the vocabulary. You've spent a lot of time talking about it. So they should easily be able to write one sentence and then have them add in a stronger verb to that sentence or have them add in a different noun to that sentence or have them expand or have them add the word because there are so many different ways that you can take that one sentence and really make a lesson out of it. And when we say to our students, okay, all you have to do is write one sentence, especially for those older students who are used to having to write paragraphs and essays, they're going to find that really doable and they're going to do their best for that one sentence. And then you work off that one sentence. And so that's what I want to encourage you. Go back to the foundations of writing. Don't think that your students have gotten that. You know, I know many of us as teachers have not had training in writing instruction, We don't even really have time for it in our day. So very often writing gets kind of pushed aside. And then we really expect a lot out of our students. You know, if we look at the Common Core, so much of that is focused on writing. And we're just not giving our students what they need to become good writers. Look over and see your lessons that you're doing this week and see what are some areas and hindrances and friction points that I'm using with my students that maybe... I need to take a look at that and review that and remove some of those things. Taking a look at the activities you're doing that were created with native speakers in mind is important. And to see whether that still works for your English language learners, or if you need to add in a different resource that's more appropriate for someone who's learning without those years of vocabulary in their brain already. So those are just some encouraging tips that I want to share with you today. And yeah, just as you use your resources that your school has provided, just use a critical eye to see what you can add to it to provide authentic learning opportunities for your ELLs. Ask yourself, is this activity really developing literacy skills or is it adding unnecessary frustration to my ELL students? Work with your homeroom teachers in this. Get their opinion. Share your opinion of why you think this is an activity that's really not developing those key literacy skills or share a way that maybe they can just shift it a little bit to help to bring in the scaffolds and support that your ELL students need. Now, if you are looking for ways to support the writing of your ELLs, I have a brand new resource just released called Give Your Writing a Workout. And in this new resource, we're going to be walking through the foundations of writing and really doing it in a way that's gradual release, 
There is a whole group activity. There are anchor charts, interactive grammar notebooks. There's small group games. So they're going to be working on their writing skills through games because when we can disguise it, (laughs) they're a lot more engaged and they're a lot more willing to work with it. There's independent practice for application and more. So we're going to walk through starting with that. What's a good sentence? Adding in verbs, adding in adjectives, working on run-ons and fragments, working on staying on topic. We're doing it all in this resource. So if you're interested, you can click the link in the show notes. And because I just launched it this week, the whole growing bundle is half off. So don't miss out on that. Thank you so much for joining me today. If you enjoyed today's episode, I would love if you would write a review and let me know. And please share other ways that you are really thinking about your literacy block with your ELLs and ways that you can improve it. I'd love to hear. Thank you for joining me in today's episode. All links and resources mentioned can be found in the show notes. If you're looking for even more support and done-for-you resources created specifically for the needs of ELLs, head to inspiringyounglearners.com. I'll catch you here next week. Until then, take that next step to keep equipping your ELLs.